ladies and gentlemen, to the second We Know Fantasy Contributors podcast of the 2020 NFL season. I am Brian. I will be your host this evening. Uh, I am joined by the great fantasy mechanic. If you have a problem, this man will fix it. Nick, how are we doing today? I'm doing great, Brian. It's nice to finally hop on with you for the first time this season. I agree. I agree. Nick, tell us where the uh, folks can find you on Twitter, Instagram, all of that fun stuff. You can find me on Twitter at FB Mechanic, as well as on Instagram at Fantasy underscore Mechanic. Awesome. Well, we're so glad to have you here. We have a new member of the We Know Fantasy contributors team. We'd like to welcome in Justin. Justin, tell us a bit about yourself, how you're doing today, and where the folks can find you on social media. Thanks, Brian. I'm looking forward to it, man. Very excited for you guys to have me in here. We're just under seven days away from the kickoff, so I'm ex- exceptionally hype right now. You can find me on Twitter at, at @jfhornets25 and on Instagram at jf1125. Beautiful. We're very excited to have you on, Justin. Thank you for joining us. My name is Brian, folks. You can find me on Twitter at Brian Wentworth FF without the O. Um, anyways, we're going to get into it. We have a great show planned for you tonight. Uh, our first segment is we're going to actually talk about draft strategies. Uh, a lot of people might be closing out their last few drafts. Uh, for the season, hopefully. So we're all going to go around, you know, kind of give a peek inside our minds on what it's like for us when we draft the things we're thinking about. So Mechanic, let's start with you. Give us your draft strategy. Yeah, okay. Uh, For mine, I'm sure a lot of people have heard it before, but um, for the most part, I think it's very important to don't overthink bye weeks. You know what I mean? Uh, I'm a firm believer in the quote-unquote talent over everything. Um, for example, this year you have players like Joe Mixon, Nick Chubb, and Miles Sanders who at the turn there, like the 10, 11, 12 uh, draft spot, they all have the same buy. Um, that's not preventing me from drafting, let's say, a Mixon and a Chubb or a Chubb and a Sanders or a Sanders and a Mixon. Uh, give me the talent, and as far as the buys, I'll deal with them as they come. Uh, last year in my, my family league, I actually had six guys that were on the same buy, and it was like week 10, so... I figured it was a problem, but at least I don't have to worry about it until week 10. So heading into your drafts and the last weekend of drafts, just don't overthink your bye weeks. Draft the talent. Don't don't jump over a guy just because he has the same bye as Christian McCaffrey. Uh, so just to keep that in mind. Yeah, you know what, Nate? I couldn't agree with you more. Um, I'm sorry, fantasy mechanic. Um, it it definitely was something early on in my fantasy um, playing days that I would look at all the time. I would always look at those bye weeks and think, oh, man, I've got one guy on bye week eight. I can't draft another guy with bye week eight, and I'd lose out on some talent in the seventh, eighth, ninth round where you can really make your hay. So um, completely agree with that. Yeah, that's something I uh, I try to stress to people often when they're drafting. When they're new to fantasy, they'll always be like, well, how are my bye weeks? How are my bye weeks looking? And what I always tell them is – there's a 99% chance your team's not going to look the same by that bye week. Maybe you have three guys on week four. Even then, there's still a 99% chance that won't be an issue for you in week four. Injuries happen. Players don't pan out. You make trades. You can always fix this problem later, and sometimes the problem works itself out. Mechanic, Nick, that is a fantastic point. I love it. Justin, give us your draft strategy. So with mine, I actually went with more of probably a tip, I guess, but really it's do not overanalyze training camp hype. That's from both a positive and a negative perspective. I was the king of doing this early on. Um, 
loving the Josh Gordons, loving the Curtis Samuel last year when everybody's talking about Cam and him connecting deep and going big time. Um, these beat writers are really going to tell you a lot of things. You're not going to know a lot of the variables that are going on in camp. Just stick with it. Try to stay as positive as you can. Kind of be a little bit even keel with it and just draft the talent that you know is there. I couldn't agree more with that. Um, I I remember a few years ago, Corey Davis was getting the hype that he was the, the best receiver in Titans camp. This was... Uh, uh, I think literally two years ago, and he ended up being the best receiver on the team, but that didn't mean much from an actual fantasy perspective. He was still terrible. Um, so the the camp pipe is great to like bring up names that maybe you weren't thinking about, but I usually let now other people play into the hype, and that just creates more value for you in later places. Nick, what do you think about this? Yeah, totally. Um, I totally agree with Justin and your take, Brian. Um, Especially with injuries, like I've noticed with the Miles Sanders uh, recent lower body injury these week to week, I've seen Boston Scott's ADP creep up. Um, don't get overwhelmed with that. Um, yeah, injuries happen. Unless it's something super serious and they're definitely going to miss, like they're doubtful or they're going to miss several weeks, then I can understand backups creeping up on the ADP and, and overdrafting them. But I've seen Boston Scott going in the eighth and ninth round in some mock. So that that's just part of the training camp like. So I kind of want to play a bit off this. The point I made when uh, Justin brought up training camp hype is I said, let other people fall into the hype. And that's kind of my draft strategy is let your league makes make the decisions for you. Um, and that's also don't lock in on players. So a mistake I made oftentimes when I first started fantasy football is I would lock into players and be like, at this pick, I'm grabbing this guy. If he's there, I don't care what else. And now I notice the mistakes other people are making around me. And that's how you get gems like Miles Sanders in the third round because he just so happened to fall to you. That happened to me this season. Um, so I really want to stress, let the people around you make the, the bad decisions. Let them draft the defenses and the kickers early, allowing the value to come to you. And that can stop you from locking in on a player and just take a step back. Like you, you have a time clock for a reason when you draft, whether it's long or short. You still have a few seconds to stop and think and let the value come to you. Um, and that's really what fantasy drafting is about, is finding the value. So my tip is just lay back, let them make the decisions for you. And honestly, some of my best teams have come from that. Yeah, I totally see that. I totally agree with it. Um, you know, you couldn't have said it any better. Uh, there's been plenty of drafts where, you know, I just sat there, waited, waited, seeing what other guys were going to do. Let them make the mistake. Let them start the tight end runs or the quarterback runs early, and I'll just scoop up the running back and wide receiver talent. Yeah, guys, I think we're all on the same page here. If you, To be honest with you, being a Los Angeles Chargers fan, I'll just use two examples here when you talk about the kind of let people make runs on it. You know, things out of training camp are talking about Keenan Allen and that passing offense being down this year. I see Keenan Allen going in the fifth, sixth, sometimes even seventh round, depending on the league you're in. You're talking about a wide receiver one that's come in for the last three years at a thousand yards. He's going to be a target hog. You've got Mike Williams, who's iffy for week one. I mean, there's nothing but value there. So I couldn't agree more. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a pretty simple thing that some people don't need to hear, uh, but some people still do need to hear it. And that's why I'm a fan of stressing that. Um, but now we're going to get into, we're going to stick with the whole draft theme here for a bit. 
Um, we're going to go with our pet peeves. What's your biggest pet peeve for a draft? This can be anything related to it. Um, this could be from a commissioner's point of view, from a player's point of view, from just a drafting in general point of view. Nick, what is your biggest pet peeve with drafting? Yeah, for me, my biggest pet peeve on draft day is the quote-unquote chalk talk or the table talk or the draft board talk. We all have that one league mate who says, oh, my God, no one took a QB yet or no one took so-and-so yet. And and here you are sitting there with this guy ready or you're, you're ready to take a shot on him and, you know, your league mate's throwing the name out there name dropping. Or, you know, everybody's taking tight ends and you're fine with taking a tight end late. And they're like, oh, Brian hasn't taken a tight end yet. And next thing you know, now they're all sniping all the tight ends on you. And you're stuck with, the you know, number 24 tight end on the list. So just that guy who talks the whole time instead of just worrying about drafting his own team. So I'd be lying probably if I didn't say, Nick, that I'm probably one of those guys every once in a while. I, I love to get my reach call in in the fourth, fifth round when guys reach on somebody that I think is probably going to be a bust for the year. But I, I definitely agree with you. I think that, you know, when people kind of incite those runs on different positions, um, it, it you know, if you're especially when you're drafting together and everybody's in the same room, uh, you know, with COVID this year, it might be a little different. But um, good point there. All right, Justin, I guess jump into your uh, your pet peeve there for us. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So my pet peeve in the draft is definitely um, have a backup plan. Um, and when I say that, I, I, I'm kind of leaning towards the, you know, uh, the draft that I typically am in my big league. We always like to draft together. We have a lot of fun with it. But there's always that one person that's like, oh, man, my Internet connection's going down. It's going down. You know, you're a minute away from your pick because you're up next and and everybody's like, oh, well, what's going to go on? And it always happens that that person is going to auto draft a player that you felt was felt was going to fall down to you. So have a backup plan. Definitely use your your have a phone if you're using your laptop, have your laptop if you're using your phone or just set up your queue just so you don't end up being that auto drafter that no one likes. So apparently I forgot that I was on mute and I didn't hit the button. Uh, Nick, I completely agree with your point. I had a story to tell, but I'll tell it later if I remember. Uh, that's a very good point as well, Justin. Um, you should always have a backup plan. And that's something I tend to do is I've made my pick for the most part when it's three picks away from me. And then I always have three guys there that I'm on ready just in case anything goes wrong. So you should always be queuing up a couple players in case of anything. Um, but you don't want to you don't want to queue too far ahead. Uh, because that's how you end up like I accidentally reaching. But I definitely think something to go with that is you should always be like queuing up a few players at a time uh, to see what does come to you in case your internet ever does go out. Because I had that happen to me while I was deployed and I auto drafted Eli Manning, which sucked. Um, Nick, what do you think about this? Yeah, I totally agree. Um, I, and I'm on board with the queuing up players. I think it's very important, especially in you know, with all these apps and all these sites that we're using these days between Sleeper, ESPN, Yahoo, Fantasy. Um, queuing is very important. I mean, it is it is definitely a backup plan, especially if you forget a name. Um, you may be looking at a guy and thinking, all right, well, let, well, you know, I'll get him or I'll remember him. And then 
Next thing you know, it comes to your turn and it goes past your pick and someone else grabs them. So, yeah, backup plan is definitely always, you know, ideal to have. And I think the queue is, is there for, is a tool there for the backup plan. Muted. Sorry, guys. I am muted again. Um, I completely agree. My biggest pet peeve is um, make sure you pay your league fees. This is coming from the commissioner side of me. Um, nobody wants to be that guy who's getting hounded by the commissioner every day. Pay your fees. Pay your fees. Hey, the buy-in. Do you have it? Just get it on time. Get it for the draft. Have it in time for the draft. Don't be the dude who's holding up the rest of the league um, based on that, because you could end up ruining the payout, you find yourself kicked out, always pay your league fees. That's my biggest pet peeve. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's great. Um, it, I'm a little older than you guys, I'm assuming, so you're talking back in the day when fantasy first jumped on the scene, you know, it, it was a lot harder to collect money. You didn't have Venmo. We didn't have League Safe. We didn't have stuff like that, so it was a little more difficult, but today's fantasy world there, there's no reason why fees can't be on time before the draft with uh like i said you know the tools like league safe venmo paypal cash app stuff like that again brian and nick i completely agree with you guys i mean it is in this day and age where you have so many apps to do things with you know there's no real um excuse for not getting your your I'm in another league where I do a pick'ems league. It's not really on the fantasy perspective, but these commissioners and these these league runners are, are people that put a lot of time in this sometimes, and they have to sit here and chase people down for money. No one wants to do that. No one wants to be part of a league like that. So just represent yourself for that. I completely agree. So now we're going to get to last two topics for draft before we close out. We're going to give you guys our late round targets who we really love late in drafts um guys who we're really hoping nobody else really thinks of drafting and then guys we're avoiding people we want to make the mistake to draft for us late um so nick why don't you uh, get start us what is your favorite late round target right now uh for me uh probably up until yesterday when all the mvs hype started the marquez valdez scantling I, I was loving targeting alan lazard late i mean the guy his, his current adp is somewhere in the 14th uh, mid to late 14th round. Um, he's got great size at 6'5", 225. Makes him a solid red zone target for Rodgers, especially when they don't have uh, an established tight end on their roster other than Jay Sternberger and uh, Jason DeGuaria. Two young guys who, I don't, I mean, I, I could see them producing, but I don't see them being that red zone target like a Jimmy Graham was or something like that for Rodgers. Um, like I said, Funchess opted out because uh, of COVID reason. Um, and MVS was unable to capture that number two wide receiver role last year. Uh, so this year, you know, like I said yesterday, he, there was some hype around MVS, but I'm still drafting Alan Lazard in the 14th or 15th round ahead of MVS. So for me, he's been a great late round target. Another agreement here with you, Nick. I mean, Alan Lazard is somebody that I was targeting very late in drafts. It's, it's just really somebody that's going to be in an offense where – I think Aaron Rodgers is definitely coming in this year with a chip on his shoulder, with something to prove. People have been talking about him. Organization didn't didn't come come to fruition with getting him any other talent in the draft at the wide receiver position. You know, 
MVS had some hype coming out of the camp the other in the last week, but you know Lazard has just been the talk of talk of the camp as well with Rogers just talking about how well they're connecting. I think that's a slam dunk pick late on to take a shot at. Yeah, I really like Alan Lazard uh, or MVS honestly, whichever one ends up being the number two in an Aaron Rodgers offense. I know it's not the same as it was, you know, maybe three four years ago, but I still want a piece of that. Um, no matter what, he's still very above he's a great quarterback in the nfl and i really want any receiver i can attach to him and if i'm getting one in the 14th round i think i'm okay with that like that's free potential wide receiver two upside for me for basically nothing so i love that uh nick you made a great choice there justin give us your late round target my late round target, depending on what size your league is, 10-team leagues, I've seen him go undrafted. In 12-team leagues, I've seen him go in the 13th to 15th rounds. But mine's going to be Hunter Renfro. This is a guy that's coming off a season with 49 receptions, 605 yards, and four touchdowns. He has rapport with Carr. He went for 17 or more PPR points in four of the final seven games. He's a good route runner, smarts in, in zone coverage. That AFC West defensive schemes, they like to run a lot of zone coverage, especially the Chargers, so I'll kind of stick to my guns here. Tyrell Williams on IR and two rookies are first on the depth chart competing with him for targets from the wide receiver perspective. I just think this guy's going to really get after it this year. Yeah, I think that's an amazing pick. Uh, Derek Carr has shown he really does like throwing to the slot. I mean, a few years ago when Jordy Nelson was playing in that role, he was a fantasy stud again for a few weeks until they found – someone else to fill the role. I think Hunter Renfro is a, a great, great option, especially in any form of PPR. Um, that is fantastic. Nick, what do we think here? Yeah, definitely. Um, I actually have quite a few shares of Hunter Renfro in some dynasty leagues. I was a little worried when they drafted Ruggs and uh, Edwards, but uh, as Justin said, you know, competing with rookies for targets and, and, and touches is Seems to go in Renfro's favor, and Carr does seem to like them, and they have a rapport. Uh, just hope Carr maintains that starting uh, quarterback uh, role there, and or I'm sorry, in LA. Yeah, definitely keeping the keeping the job there is uh, definitely important for Carr. So my late round target is I'm going to go with the tight end position. This is a guy I was a huge fan of last season, and although he didn't like overperform for people in fantasy, he definitely didn't lose you games, and that's Jonu Smith. He's currently going in the 12th round, and I've even seen him go undrafted, if not later, in you know a lot of redraft leagues. I think if you're looking for a potential tight end with the upside of a top 12 tight end, for me, it's Jonu Smith. Um, what he did in the playoffs against the Chiefs was amazing. He definitely was a big part of that offense for the Titans, um, and he was definitely a big part of that offense for them throughout the season. I think if you have him, A.J. Brown, and Derrick Henry with Ryan Tannehill, I think the Titans have a decent um, package there where Jonu Smith could show as the number two target in Tennessee by the end of the season. And I'm really, really excited to scoop him up. Nick, what do you think about this? I say, hell yeah, I love me some Jonu. Uh, I caught a lot of flack when I released my uh, rank, my tight end rankings for having Smith up there around the 10, 11, 12 range. Um but I love him. Uh, I, I'm trying to get as many shares as I can of some Johnny Smith in Dynasty and in redraft formats. And I'm totally agreeing with you that he should be the number two target in that offense. Yeah, you know, I'm right here with you guys. I think the one thing I would like to say is 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 it's all on Tannehill, right? You know, everybody kind of talked about Tannehill being that quarterback that 
really performed top tier at, you know, coming down the stretch last year was very efficient. It just depends on what John is going to do in those red zone situations. Um, you know, we talked about Corey Davis a little earlier. I don't think Corey Davis is going to, is going to do a whole lot in this offense, but he is in a contract year. They're not picking up his fifth year option. Um, there is some things that, you know, there's some word out of camp that, uh, Derrick Henry is going to do a little bit more in the passing game. It will be, you know, I, I'm probably targeting Blake Jarwin a little bit more in a little pass half offense down in Dallas, but I like the Johnny Smith pick here. I also am a really big fan of Blake Jarwin. Um, but for me, I just, I'm all in on Johnny Smith and I'm okay if I end up being wrong about it. Um, but yes, I definitely am in on the Blake Jarwin too. That is also a very good late round tight end as well. I just want to toss that out there. So now we're going to go with our draft avoidance. Um, so this is a late round draft pick that we're avoiding. We don't care if it's almost free. We don't really want any part in it. Um, we'd rather just let someone else do that while we scoop up our favorite late round target. So Nick, the fantasy mechanic, who is your late round avoid? All right, Brian, thank you. Uh, for me, it's Brashad Perryman. Um, you know, he's going around the same area as Alan Lazard is. And for me, Perryman, I'm just not drinking. Or, uh, what is it? Believe in the hype is what they say. I don't trust the Jets offense run by Adam Gase. Um, it's a question mark. It seems to me that Donald's favorite targets are Jamison Crowder and Chris Herndon, if Herndon's healthy. Um, what is Denzel, rookie Denzel Mims' role going to be? Is he going to be more of the you know, the uh, X receiver. And, you know, Perryman got this contract and the hype off of last year playing against defenses like the uh, Falcons, Texans, Jaguars, and Lions when Godwin and Evans were, or Goodwin, Godwin, I'm sorry, Godwin and Evans were hurt. And that's where he got most of his points, his fantasy points and his hype from and got this contract ultimately. But for me, I'd rather draft a guy like Alan Lazard or Anthony Miller ahead of a Bashad Perryman. You know, you know, Nick, I think you hit the nail on the head when you talk about Adam Gase. There's not a whole lot of anything in that Jets offense that I want shares of, and that's completely based off of Adam Gase's ineptitude of putting a good offense out on that field. I think Darnold has some real good talent. I think there's some ability in that AFC East to potentially do some things. Granted, the Patriots and the Bills do have some good pass defenses. Um, I think you're, you're, you're spot on here with Perriman being one to avoid late in, the, in your draft. Well, fellas, we agree again because I am out on anything Jets-related um, as long as Adam Gase is the head coach. Now, if we're talking dynasty. I might be interested in picking up a Sam Darnold. Um, but that's about it. Other than that, I really don't want much to do with it right now, especially Perryman. Um, I just I don't see it in an Adam Gase offense. There might be flashing weeks where something comes of it, but I'm not really excited about it, and I never quite will be. Justin, why don't you give us your late round avoidance? Sorry, I had to navigate the, the mute here, but... You know, it's going to sound biased coming from a Chargers fan, but my late round avoidance here is Cole Hardman. You know, you got an all-world quarterback with with Mahomes. You've got so many target, uh, so much targets up for share up for shares here. Everybody's kind of on Cole Hardman because he kind of checks all the boxes of speed in that Andy Reid offense. But Cole Hardman just doesn't do it doesn't do it for me. 
I don't see his opportunity share increasing all that much. He's kind of the poor man's Tyreek Hill, and Tyreek Hill is on his team. This guy, this is a guy last year that only amassed more than two receptions in only three games. Kansas City convinced Watkins to return. They re-signed Robinson. Even if he takes over Robinson's spot as a wide receiver three, he's not going to repeat a 20.7 reception uh, target uh, yards per reception this year. I'm just staying away from Nicole Hardman. So for me with Nicole Hardman, I think he has the potential to take the next step forward this season. Um, I'm not quite as big a fan of Sammy Watkins, um, and that's where I see Mecole Hardman stepping up. With that said, though, I personally don't own a lot of Mecole Hardman because I own a lot of Tyree Kill shares um, across the board. Um, but I do, I do see the potential for Hardman, but I understand where you're coming from, and I'm not against your thought process. Um, maybe it's something for me to retake a look at, but I'm still in on Nicole Hardman just because he's attached to a Patrick Mahomes offense. Nick, what do you think about Nicole Hardman? Yeah, I, 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 you hit the nail on the head, Brian, with the point as far as Mahomes and on that offense. And as well, I'm like you, I, I have quite a few shares of Tyreek Hill. Um, but for me with Hardman, I also agree with Justin. In fact, if it's redraft, I'm kind of, yeah, you know, I can pass on him. If it's dynasty, give me some Nicole Hardman though. So now is my late round draft pick to avoid, and I am going with a player who I've never actually been a fan of while he was with the Jets, and I really don't like his landing spot now, and for me, that's Robbie Anderson. Um, I think there is too many targets to go around um, in Carolina between McCaffrey, um, Moore, and Samuel. I see Robbie Anderson as kind of the odd man out that really doesn't fit because Teddy Bridgewater tends to make his game more in the short and intermediate passes so I don't just I just don't see it for Robbie Anderson and for that reason I am out I'm just not super big fan of his new home what do you think Nick yeah I mean I I could see that um as an Eagles fan I was kind of hoping the Eagles would have signed Robbie Anderson in the offseason I'm kind of glad they didn't though um now looking at it and seeing how they drafted and you know bringing some youth and everything uh Robbie Anderson for me he's hit or miss he, he, I compare him a lot to a Will Fuller um if it's not injuries uh, you know what I mean he's on the field and he's a, either a boom or a bust he's either going to score you three points or he's going to score you 33 points that's why I look at Robbie Anderson so for me yeah it's a hard pass on Anderson late again I'd rather have guys like Lazard and Miller on my team instead you know, admittedly, I'm not picking up a lot of shares of Robbie Anderson. The one thing I would say is I do not expect this Panthers defense to be worth anything this year. Um, they're coming off in the bottom 20, you know, they're they're one of the worst defenses in the NFL. You've got Bridgewater who's going to have to throw the ball. You know, Granite, CMC, and, and more are really going to soak up those targets. But word out of camp is that Samuel is not really performing very well. Maybe Robbie Anderson steps in and he can kind of give you that boomer bust every week that you could potentially have him on the backside of your roster. Um, I don't think that's a bad call to avoid him, but there are some things that, you know, it's going to be a pass happy offense and it's going to be a little bit interesting to see what Matt Rule does in this first year here in Carolina. I think for me, that is the one enticing thing about it is Matt Rule gets the head coaching job and that's the first uh, free agent wide receiver they do sign. So maybe there is some plans there that I'm not aware of, but I feel like Robbie Anderson is a guy I could probably pick up after maybe week one or week two um, if I end up being wrong about it. But that is going to wrap Robbie, up today. 
Oh, sorry. Well, let me just throw a, a little nugget into that for you, Brian. Matt Rule was actually Robbie Anderson's college football coach at Temple University. That so, I did not know. That's what this man just, is here for. He's fixing my problems. Little, That's the mechanic. A little wrinkle or something to think about, um, possibly. But I, I still agree with you. I'm passing on Robbie Anderson. That ain't enough to make me draft him and make him my fourth receiver. So, like you said, there's too many mouths there to feed. And Bridgewater likes the underneath stuff. So, sorry for interrupting your closing. But I just wanted to give you that nugget. I appreciate it. That's what you're here for, fixing the problems. So, that is going to wrap up today's show. I'd like to thank these two amazing contributors. Justin, we're super happy to have you on board. I'm very excited to work more with you. Nick, mechanic, dude, it's always a pleasure. You know I love you, dude. So please make sure to check out the regular We Know Fantasy podcast with Nate and the Fantasy Fro. And don't forget to check out the Waiver Wire Wishlist, which will be coming to a Monday near you. We also have great contributor articles. We just had a Todd Gurley one go up recently. I can't remember the other one. That's my bad. I will be having a tight end series weekly coming up. There's plenty to look forward to. But with that, we are out. And I would like to thank everybody for listening.